And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw? R&B Car Company are your used car experts. All right, we are broadcasting live. Washington, D.C., uh, fairus.org is hosting the annual Hold Their Feet to the Fire Conference. And joining me right now is Matt O'Brien. Matt, we have had you on at least three times now over the years, right? And it's always a pleasure. You know, the reason that, here's the thing, a lot of, a lot of radio hosts have different views on what they're going to do when they come here. And a lot of people go with angel families and, and things like that. I try to find the policy experts as much as I possibly can. Matt is that guy. Now, right now, you're the director of investigation, uh, Immigration Reform Law Institute. That's correct. And you've just written a really good paper. We'll, we'll talk about that here recently. But you weren't with me last year. And it was a little different not having you with me last year. But you were actually a immigration judge last year. Year. Yes. So you felt it might be wise to not come to this event. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> While you're a judge, just in case, right? Things happen. Um, just trying to have a little job security, right? And then you got you got fired. What I happened? Did. Well, the Biden administration decided it was going to try and purge all of the Trump-appointed uh, immigration judges that it could get rid of at the end of their probation period uh, because we were applying the law as written. We were doing what judges were supposed to do. And the uh, bogus asylum application that are clogging up the uh, immigration court system right now were being denied. Uh, I had a 96% denial rate. They didn't like that. Now, i got to point out, I wasn't denying these because I disliked the applicants or just because I wanted to deny them. I was denying them because the law said these people were not entitled to asylum. Right. And uh, the immigration courts, unfortunately, have become a big kumbaya fest, and you have a lot of judges just granting people things because they hear a sob story, which may or may not be true. And that's not what the courts are supposed to do. And we know that a lot of these stories are not true. And we've talked about the asylum thing for, it seems like, my entire career now, originally from the Southwest. So, I mean, I, I understand this issue more than my audience typically does who's in the Midwest. And, you know, you've got people coming over and they're like, oh, hey, uh, things are dirty back home and we're poor back home. And I don't like the neighborhood that we live in back home. Can we come into the United States and get asylum? That's not what asylum is for. So as an immigration judge, kind of explain what would qualify you, what that 4% that you were approving, what qualifies somebody for asylum into the United States? Sure. So it, it's it's a little different than people think. Most people think of war and uh, and people being what we call refugees, being the people that would qualify for asylum or refugee status. But in fact, uh, the asylum statutes were written during the Cold War, as were the refugee statutes. And they offer protection to people who are being personal persecuted by their government or by parties that the government is unable or unwilling to control, which which typically means a, a rebellious uh, insurgency government, uh, on the basis of race, religion, nationality, or political opinion. And if you're not being persecuted within the legal definition of that, meaning you're being targeted for a characteristic that the persecutor finds offensive, then you are not entitled to asylum. Now, there's another category for asylum, which is called membership in a particular social group. Nobody knows what this means. Uh, the Swedish delegate to the UN, when they passed the refugee convention, threw this in at the last minute. They, uh, it was okay. an 11th hour negotiation, so they just left it on and didn't argue about it. And what happened is, under the Obama administration, the Obama administration tried to claim that people who are experiencing domestic violence or gang violence are members of a particular social group and that they are entitled to asylum. But that's not what the case law says. 
Hmm. So technically, you could say that, oh, I don't know, MAGA Republicans might qualify for asylum in the United States if they were in another country based on the the verbiage from a certain uh, president who gave a speech not that long ago. Yeah, and, and they would very clearly qualify because that is on the basis of a political opinion. Mm. Uh, what everyone is trying to do is claim that particular social group is a catch-all and that anybody who's in a country that has conditions less nice than the United States thereby becomes eligible for asylum. But that's crazy. We couldn't take that many people even if we wanted to. Interesting. We're talking with Matt O'Brien again. He's the Director of Investigation at the Immigration Reform Law Institute, former immigration judge himself, so he knows about these things. And it's one of the reasons that I come here is, you know, we get an opportunity to, yeah, there's a human story, obviously, but we also get an opportunity to talk to the people who deal with immigration professionally every single day. And I have noticed a marked change in the way that people have reacted in in this, in the immigration field, have reacted to this administration versus the previous administration. And you losing your job <laughs> as an immigration judge simply because people who didn't qualify weren't getting in the country kind of illustrates that. You wrote a paper here for Immigration Reform Law Institute. Biden has made Border Patrol a concierge service for illegals. Explain yeah. that. Well, essentially, the Biden administration is working so hard to ignore the border and coming down so hard on the personnel at CBP and ICE uh, that they've got all of the people who are supposed to watch national security, keep terrorists out, arrest drug cartel members, arrest gang members, catering to family units uh, that are temporarily in detention while they're being processed and then released into the country. And so essentially, it, it's become like these guys, you know, compete to get on the border patrol, train hard during their academy, go out and do the tough job of, of patrolling the border in rough conditions, have now been turned into like hotel concierges who are taking care of unaccompanied alien children uh, and catering to the needs of alien family units while they're being forced to ignore the border and God knows who is, is walking over the border. That's just not acceptable. Well, we've had a lot of terrorists, obviously. Over the years, we've had a lot of terrorists. The yes. U.S. Southern Command is consistently for years now increase their readiness because of this issue. Of course, that always gets ignored. Um, but I think that uh, we've had was it how many? Uh, several dozen uh, terrorists have actually come, or I should say, on the watch list, because it doesn't necessarily mean you're a terrorist, but you're on the watch list, come across the southern border over just in the past year, right? Yeah, I think there's been 53 people Something that were like on that. the terror yeah. screening database, and, and those are the ones that we know about because they were apprehended. So uh, the Border Patrol uses a 3 to 1 ratio for gotaways. They assume for everyone they catch, 3 got away. Yeah. So if you're taking a look at that in terms of terrorists, three times 53, you know, that's like 159 people that got away that we don't know about who have affiliations with dangerous terrorist organizations. And I think I saw a statistic here recently, Matt, that's like 400 and some odd unaccompanied minors, like per day, come across the southern border. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if it had gotten even higher than that. And the unaccompanied minors are a particular problem because there is uh, a thing called the uh, TVPRA, uh, which is a, a, a protection act for children unaccompanied minors, but what it does is it treats them all as if they have some kind of legitimate reason to be here, unless they're from Mexico or Canada. Anybody from Mexico or Canada is immediately returned. Okay. Um, and these kids uh, go into HHS housing. HHS has lost a bunch of them. They, they don't know yeah, what happened vanish. to them. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, which means they could be subject to trafficking. They could be sold into child prostitution, all kinds of crazy stuff like that. Um, and then these 
public service organizations that represent illegal aliens get a hold of these cases and make all these crazy arguments and drag out these cases. And, and, and the part of this that killed me sitting there as an immigration judge, I mean, the fact is, we have all kinds of children we need in, in, in our own country who were born here that we could be attending to, and yeah. yet we're overloading social services, we're overloading public schools, we're overloading medical facilities uh, for children that, that are not Americans. And the fact is, it, it's not our responsibility as Americans to care for them. We have a responsibility to treat them humanely when they arrive here, but we need to return them to their families in the countries that they came from. Now, as an immigration judge, were you were you a judge like during the COVID lockdowns and stuff like that? Because yes. we were covering several stories that were happening, particularly in Texas, where they were coming across the border and then they were immediately claiming that they needed medical attention. Ambulances were being sent out. They were scooping them up and bringing them in. But those ambulances are now out of service for several hours because they've got to be cleaned, they've got to be sanitized. And now there's Americans who don't get that medical treatment as well. From an immigration judge standpoint, like how was that? Was the courts even involved in any of that? How did that play out? Well, I was in the court in Arlington, so I none of that Not really touched that, us. Yeah. But the, the part that got me is we were all essentially told that if we didn't get vaccinations, we were going to be out of a job. I didn't know I was going to be out of a job anyway, right. so I might not have gotten the vaccination. Sure. But, uh, you know, we were told vax or get out, um, and you wouldn't be allowed to come to work if you wouldn't or couldn't get the vaccination. Well, meanwhile, I'm sitting in a court where I had on what they call master calendar days, which are like arraignments for immigration. I'd have 100 people in the court, all of whom were illegal aliens, none of whom had been uh, asked to get a, a COVID vaccination. And the fact is that most of them probably hadn't had MMR vaccinations right. or all the typical ones that we get as children here in the United States. And somehow the Biden administration thought that it was okay for these people not to be vaccinated while they were forcing all of the federal workforce, not just immigration judges, to take an experimental vaccine. But in our case, it was particularly crazy because here you have foreigners, most of whom yeah. are illegally present in the United States, not being asked to get vaccinated. And then you have a specialist court of attorneys serving their country as immigration judges and we were forced to get a vaccination that no one still knows if it works i've decided that i'm going to probably ask all of my guests this matt um about two million illegal immigrants over the past year come across the southern border most we've ever had kamala harris says the border is secure <laughs> i think i just i just throw it out there and get your response to it well i i think uh that famous interview where she said because she's jamaican she smoked weed maybe she was telling the truth and she's still on it because there is no way the same person with a rational grip of national security policy could think that the border is secure it's a free-for-all there's complete chaos there if the same type of conditions were prevailing in a Walmart on a Black Friday sale, they'd have state troopers and local police in their cracking heads. But the fact is, this is going on the border where, where American citizens live and have farms and ranches. And the Biden administration is just ignoring all of this and ignoring the interests of all the people who live there, which is why you have things like Governor Abbott and, uh, and Governor DeSantis. I was going to ask you about that next. Well, it, but see, this is the thing, too. It's, you know, oh, the border is secure. It's only two million people. It's not a big deal. Yet 50, 50 people in Martha's Vineyard causes havoc, turns neighbor against neighbor. It's a whole thing. 101 people in New York caused havoc over there. They, they had a humanitarian crisis. We're in Washington, D.C. We're sitting on top of this building. We can see the Capitol and everything else right behind us. And just uh, yesterday or earlier today, Mayor Bowser is, was asked about, well, why is this such an emergency here in D.C. when it happens everywhere else? And she goes, well, we're not a border town, so we're not equipped to handle this. 
What? Are you serious? Well, she's told the world that she was equipped to handle it when she announced that D.C. was a sanctuary city. And, I mean, don't even get me started about that. I don't understand how a federal enclave yeah. that, that isn't even supposed to have a mayor and is supposed to be governed by federal law under the auspices of Congress can decide that it's ignoring federal law. But it, the, the Martha's Vineyard thing gets me because I was born and raised just north of Boston, Massachusetts, in a, in a, in a mill town called Lynn. I've never been to Martha's Vineyard. It was too expensive to right, go there sure. on vacation when I was a kid. I haven't even been to Nantucket, which is slightly cheaper. And and you now have these people suing because DeSantis put them. They've got a, a, a Title 1983 and 1985 civil rights claim going right. on that they just filed in the district court in Massachusetts, claiming that their civil rights were violated because they were shipped to Martha's Vineyard. I wish someone would violate my civil rights that way. Well, and here's the thing. I think they've opened up the case now for Texas Florida, who have had the same thing happen to them for years, to now file those exact same cases against the federal government. I think they just walk right into the trap. Matt O'Brien, how can people learn more about you, Matt? Uh, sure. Well, they can take a look at our website, which is www.irli.org. And then, of course, FAIR's website is fairus.org. Matt's a pleasure, man. Thank you for joining us again. Thank really do appreciate it. All right, we got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.